Welcome to the Purpose and Principles Podcast. My name is Max Brown. I'm here today with a really good friend. We've been friends for over a decade, Whitney Johnson. Whitney Johnson is the CEO of WLJ Advisors and one of the 50 leading business thinkers in the world. In fact, I remember Whitney when um, I first... Uh, read your work in HBR. And I said, gosh, I need to know more about her. (laughs) So an expert in helping high growth organizations develop high growth individuals. And she's an award winning author, a world class keynote speaker. She frequently lectures at Harvard Business School's corporate learning and as an executive coach and an advisor to CEOs. She has 1.7 million followers on LinkedIn, where she was selected as a top voice in 2018. And her fundamentals of entrepreneurship have viewed more than 1 million times. In 2019, she was ranked number three on the Global Guru's Top 30 Cultural Professionals. And uh, I'm just delighted, Whitney, that you would actually join us on the show. And so thank you for joining. Oh, Max, thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, You know, I'm I'm listening to your show. I'm a huge fan. Of course, you also run a a podcast on disrupting and disrupting yourself, which is a primary message for you. And and as I'm uh, listening to some of your shows, I've just been, gosh, we just got to reconnect and have this conversation. So really, thank you for your time. Um, And it means a lot. It means a lot because I know that you're someone who cares about your purpose and how your purpose guides your life. Could you just get right into it? Like, what is your purpose and and how does it help you? Yeah, happy to do that. But before I do that, I just, I think it's really fun for for me anyway, is that I think, you know, you were doing podcasting (laughs) before we were really calling it podcasting 10 years ago. And I think probably I was one of the, going on your show was one of the first times I had done one of these kinds of interviews. So thank you, Max, for for having me back. Um, Awesome. In terms of purpose, um, the way I, I, I've done a lot of thinking about this not too long ago. Um, I had Simon Sinek on our podcast and we can talk more about that later if you'd like, mm-hmm. but I had him on the podcast and he wrote a book called start with why and was really doing all this work of like, okay, so what is my why? Mm-hmm. You know, because frequently when you're in a conversation with people and a prospective client, they'll be like, well, so why do you do what you do? Like they, they want to know, they want to get a sense of what's what's informing the decisions you're making and the work that you're doing. And, but I didn't really feel like I had a good sense of what that was. And so I spent some time really thinking, okay, what is my why? And this is Mm -hmm. something that's iterative, but here's what it is as of today. As of today, it is, I want for every person I interact with, once we've interacted, they feel an impression of increase, number one. And then they have a greater sense of who they are, Mm -hmm. their fundamental value, and a greater sense of who they can be or what I would consider their, what their possibility is. And so that's my why is, is really to help people have a greater sense of who they are. Yeah. I really love that. How, how does it, how did, as you, as you arrived at those words, how does it make you feel when you share that? Well, that's, that's really the question, isn't it? Because I remember when I first, prior to this, I was telling people, you know, well, my why is when, you know, people want to change or they get stuck, it feels hard. And I would say that, and I I felt connected to it, Mm -hmm. but, um, I didn't, I think, you know, what your why or your purpose is, is when you say it, you feel like there's, it's almost like your body becomes a musical instrument Mm. and there's a sense of it resonates throughout your physical body as if your body were a piano. So I played piano growing up. And so there's this resonance inside of you. You're like, okay, yes, that, that is, 
definitely much closer because when I set it, it feels it's reverberating throughout my, my system, if you will. Yeah. It just feels right. Yep. Yeah. I love that. And, and, and so not only does it feel right, but for me, when I understand my purpose, it also helps, it helps me make better decisions. And I I know a lot of people out there might hear this and say, well, what, what in the world are you talking about? Do you feel that same thing? Oh yeah, absolutely. So for example, you know, if I say every person I interact with, I want them to feel or be left with an impression of increase, mm-hmm. then what does that mean? That means, you know, this afternoon, I'm when we finish talking with one another, I'm going to, well, first of all, it means that when we're talking to each other, it's important that you feel um, like a greater sense of who you are. You feel like that it was worth your time to talk to me, that there was mm-hmm. an increase, not decrease or energy increasing, not depleting. Mm-hmm. Um And then it also means that when I go to the airport and I check in at the airport, I go through security, the person who's checking me through, um, I see them and I pay attention to them and I smile at them or, you know, I certainly don't disregard them. Um, It'll be the same with the flight attendant, et cetera. It also means that, and this is something that I've been doing really recently when I, you know, before I get ready to meet with a client or Um, have a conversation with someone on the phone or via Zoom or Skype just to take a moment, um, take a breath, maybe just think about that person for a moment and ask myself, you know, how can I in the next couple of minutes love this person, care Mm -hmm. about this person? I don't do it always. That's something I'm working on. But I think that 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 decision of when you interact with someone, they're left with the impression of increase or that that why or that purpose, it informs every interaction that you have. It's hard. Like last night, I had an interaction with my son mm-hmm. where I was trying to get, a, he's 23 years old, and I was trying to get a lot of things done at once before I got, you know, I'm going on this trip. And he um, had lost his phone and he called and he said, Hey, I need help figuring this out. And I was so curt and I was so short with him yeah. that afterwards I was like, I have to apologize because I want, especially my husband, especially my children to be left with the impression of increase, but they're the ones that it's hardest because we're, we're, we, we're most, um, uh, unawares in terms of, or most unfiltered with the people who are closest to us. But, but that is that why does inform our behavior. And even when we don't do it as we had hoped, it informs the decision to apologize and, and commit to do it better than the next time. Yeah, I boy, I appreciate that. And it, it's true. It's true. We we are on more, you know, we're more unfiltered. We feel like we have permission to be uh, just a little bit, well, you know, less on our game with those around us that yes. we're really familiar yes. with, right? <laughs> Great way to describe it. Less on our game. Less on our game. We do that. But it's really not because then we feel terrible. I apologize and I'm still feeling a little bit bad. But I'm sure he will. He's probably forgiven me already. So I guess I probably better forgive myself too. But there's some, there's a gift in your awareness of it. Right. And, and I, I love that. And, and I hope that more leaders actually feel like, Hey, if I mess up, at least if I'm aware of it, I can do something about it. And my bigger concern is when someone feels like, I've, I've messed up and it's not a problem. I can just do what I want because I'm in charge. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know, what's interesting when you just said this awareness, I have to tell you a quick example. Mm, story. So yesterday, please. so one of the people, um, one of my colleagues that I work with, her name is Heather Hunt and uh, we work together really closely. She's a great editor, great writer. And, um, so we talk to each other frequently. I also consider her very much a truth teller because she'll tell me exactly what she thinks, which I really, really value in her. Mm-hmm. Um, but earlier this week, she said something and it kind of, it just rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, if I'm being more blunt, it probably offended me a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
And so um, yesterday afternoon, I get this email from her saying, hey, I think I've offended you. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, Hmm. you are really intuitive or I am very ham-handed or both. But I don't, (laughs) I hadn't said anything. I hadn't been rude. I think she said, well, you ended an email with a period instead of an exclamation point. I'm like, no. She was intuitive. Like, that's what's amazing. I mean, like, that's like reading tea leaves. So what I think is fascinating, this idea of awareness, yeah. I think you're right. Like, when we start to be really clear on what our, our why or our purpose is, we know when we violated it, even if you're not even getting that information back from the person, like, you just know. She knew. And yeah. I was amazed and really impressed. Yeah, I love that. And and I love the fact that you can recognize it, we can talk about it really openly. You know, that's the thing that, uh, you know, really impressed me as well. Uh, speaking of, you know, your Simon, the show you did with Simon, uh, and talking about why is that after the show, it wasn't even necessarily the comments, you know, be back and forth between you two, but it was the conversation you had after the show and your reflection on the learning about it. You just have this ability to be very vulnerable and very honest with people. And you're sharing this with, I mean, everyone, everyone's hearing <laughs> how you're processing what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what happened <clears throat> So it's interesting, right? Whenever you interview someone, you're you're preparing and you're having this conversation, but there's this whole other play behind the play that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know, after it was over that I wasn't that happy with it. And I, I mean, it was good, but it wasn't like, I wasn't where I wanted to be. And I was like, what happened? Because mm. I was really prepared. I mean, I had read every book. I had probably spent 15 hours preparing for this interview. Right. So it wasn't a preparation problem. Mm-hmm. And what happened is that I'm like, so why did I, why wasn't I happy with it? Well, mm-hmm. I had recently um, read a book called Leadership and Self-Deception by the Arbinger Institute. Mm-hmm. I have actually had Jim Farrell from the Arbinger Institute on the podcast. So I've been thinking a lot about their ideas and one of their big ideas is that you you know when we're <clears throat> what they call inside the box or deceiving yourself yeah. you're looking at people as as objects rather than people and so this goes back to this idea of impression and increase but just looking at it from a different angle and i had always thought to myself well if i'm treating a person as an object Mm-hmm. Typically, in my mind, I'm treating them in, as an object if I feel somehow that I am more than they are and they are less than I am. Mm-hmm. And so that was always my, I need to make sure that if I somehow perceive that, I need to kind of balance the scales. Now, first of all, you should we don't even want to do that. Like, we don't ever want to perceive less than or more than. It's just always equal. But, you know, I'm human. I'm getting better, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But the, the insight that I had after speaking to Simon is that I had treated him as an object. Mm-hmm. Not because I thought of him as less than me, but because I admire him. Mm-hmm. Because he's impressive. Because when we spoke on a stage together in Madrid... He had lines and, you know, hours of lines of people waiting for him to sign his book. Um, And so I had made him into an object. And by making him into an object, we couldn't have the kind of conversation that you would that you and I are having Mm. because we're just treating each other as people. So it's it's an interesting thing that happens is that when you're interviewing, there's the interviewing that's happening or the conversation that's happening. But then there's all this internal dialogue of the response that we're having to that person or having to that conversation. It's fascinating. It's very meta. Um, and uh, 
And, and, and it was hard to share that because it made me yeah. feel a little bit vulnerable, but given that my podcast is on personal disruption, mm-hmm. if I'm not willing to talk about that stuff, then I'm not really being, I'm not talking my, I'm not walking my talk and, and people can sense that. And I don't want that to happen. Boy, I think that's true. I do. And as you mentioned, you know, I, I started podcasting 10 years ago and I found that the guests that always got the best listeners were those who gave everything without trying to sell everything uh. and, and trying not to pretend to be something that they aren't, you know, or, uh, it just, it's, it's a huge difference when you're having a human conversation that's very real. And boy, when you're reflected on that piece afterwards, I'm so glad I listened to the end because it, <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I really felt it. You know, you triggered a couple of things for me. Um, one is there's a lot of leaders out there that are trying to figure out, you know, how do I quit objectifying? And I don't think I'm objectifying perhaps. Right. So there's an awareness piece, which we've talked about. There's this piece of, do I have this intention or this purpose to try to bring joy and hope towards others, or at least to help them feel like they matter when I'm around? How do people feel when I'm not there? Um, and just a quick story to that. I I was traveling, making a connecting flight, going to a client I've been working with for over 10 years. And on this connecting flight, as we were getting ready to board, I saw this, this mom with like three kids struggling and just the kids were upset. They were small. They were, you know, and they were tired and I didn't help. I just looked sympathetic. I felt sympathy, but I didn't do anything. And then all of a sudden, this gentleman gets out of the line, goes over, picks up this little this little kid, and and helps the mom. And now this gentleman was well dressed in his sixties, and I thought, wow, that was really really a cool move. And he helped this 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 mom board the flight. Well, the next day, as I'm being introduced to the company, it's this gentleman. He's a corporate officer of a three hundred thousand person company standing on the stage right there with me. Wow. And I looked at him and said, I, I know what you did yesterday. I was standing there and you did something that I should have done. Wow. That is a great story. It was incredible. And he taught did me such a great example. Did you know, you say that on stage, Max? I did. I did. That very day I said, I learned something huge and I learned it from your leader. And I said, we can all talk about it, but it is a whole nother thing to do it. Right now, here's the crazy thing. He has since retired. We are still good friends. He text messages me all the time. We, we, we keep in touch because we have this, this feeling of respect and, and these exchanges that we've had have just become very, very personal and very, very real. But you know what you, what you shared about, you know, going to the airport, being very purposeful and how we show up and how we treat people every single day really matters. So what, what's one thing you would say, Whitney, based on this kind of conversation, when you're coaching an executive who's struggling with maybe, maybe it's their purpose or maybe they think they own that part, but you know they're struggling with something, what, what do you try to help them to do? How do you help them to see that maybe they need to start with themselves? Hmm. Well, so one of the things I've observed is that when 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 I as a coach realize that someone needs to start with themselves, mm-hmm. that's the last thing I can say. Mm. <clears throat> because um, so I know I need to start with myself, and you know I'll I I have you know a num- number of truth tellers around me, including my husband, who I'll be doing something, and they'll say, "Hey, you know, stop, mm-hmm. you know, be mm-hmm. aware of what you're doing." 
But if I, I have found that when, if I'm coaching someone and I think to myself, oh, they really need to understand that it starts with them, they're not in a place where they can see it. Mm -hmm. They they can't see it. Um, And even if they have a 360, they probably won't be able to see it. Mm -hmm. They won't be able to observe it. They'll find some way sort of intellectually to be able to say, this doesn't apply to me, or it's not, it's not relevant in this situation, or if they understood, then they, they would get why I'm doing what I'm doing. So what I have found is that, um, what works better in that situation is to figure out, um, something that they are trying to get done. That's really important to them and get them focused on that thing that they want to get done that's important to them, and then allow them to bump up against the need to see themselves in the process of getting that thing done that's mm-hmm. important to them so that they then can see themselves. So basically that idea of meeting them where they are, mm-hmm. because when I try to fix them, it doesn't, they, they don't want to be fixed. Like they, they can't even, they don't want it because they can't even see it. But if you can get people focused on what they're trying to get done, then they will eventually bump into it on their own. And when they're ready, mm-hmm. then they'll allow you to coach them through that. That's what I've learned. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And you're basically saying, I mean, I, I almost think about raising my family in the same way. I can't remove every barrier and some of the journey has to be learned or they have to experience it before we can actually coach it. Right, exactly, exactly. And and I think it's really, you know, and it's funny because I've thought a lot about this and um, you know, I'm a person of faith. I know you're a person of faith. And mm-hmm. I, I've thought a lot about this over time of, you know, why do people have different challenges in their life? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> what, you know, so for one thing I've thought about, for example, is I thought, okay, you know, it was really easy for me to have children. It mm-hmm. was very easy for me to have children. I decided, I practically said, I want to get pregnant and I was pregnant. I mean, it was that easy. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that having children wasn't a place that was going to push me to um, really introspect, was going to push me to even reach out to God. That wasn't the place where I was going to be met with this, oh, I have to change. I have to do something differently. What I learned is that the place for me is in my work. My work is what really pushes me. Hmm. And so it forces, so all, I almost always come up against the things that I need to work on and places where I need to get better when, as it relates to something inside of my work. Hmm. And, um, and so I think that it's true for all of us. We all have some place that matters to us so deeply that if we're trying to get it done and we can't get it done, we have that opportunity to say, Oh, got to change. And as you know, I mean, I'm all about the fundamental unit of disruption of change in an organization as the individual. So how do we put people in situations where they get to the point where they say, I want to change? Yeah, that's the challenge. Boy, that is. And, and, and for me, I'm thinking about all the leaders who could be saying, you know, Whitney, it's great, but you, you know, what about my quarterly, my quarterly return? And I've, I've got to be able to deliver at the end of quarter, meaning I've got to develop these people right now. I don't have time for them to self-explore, kind of figure this out on their own. Um, I, I'm going to just tell them what to do and tell them to get it done. Uh, How do you coach those folks to understand that there's a better way to lead and that they could get a better outcome? Hmm. 
Well, so I, here's what I would say. Mm. Um, <clears throat> we can say that and we can believe that, but in the, but, and in the short term, it might sort of work because we've scared them enough to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but we all, you know, I, in our work, we look at everybody being on an S curve of learning. Everyone's on an S curve and yeah. we all fundamentally want to grow and develop. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes we're on the wrong S curve. And so that's the challenge. But I think what I would say to a leader is that in the very short term, you can cajole them, you can threaten them to deliver things. Um, but as a long term, even a medium term plan, it's just not going to work. Mm -hmm. And, um, and not only is it not going to work, but the collateral damage of the lives that you are negatively impacting, it's, it's pretty severe. Mm -hmm. It's pretty severe. And I think it's bigger than most leaders realize or, or acknowledge. Right. Because we, because again, it's, it's very difficult for us to see the impact that we have on other people. And, and that's in a bad way, you know, like the, the negative like if I treat someone badly, I can't see how that negatively impacts them. Mm -hmm. The good news of that too, or the flip side of that is that we also can't see the positive impact. Like right. we've all had people in our lives that have smiled at us or said, you know, one kind thing, like one sentence, and it has stayed with us for decades. Mm -hmm. And so we also, you know, can be aware that the, if we do positive things and kind things, you know, I talk about this notion of building networks of A-teams across careers and across companies. Mm -hmm. It's those small little things that can actually make a difference for ill, but also make a huge difference in terms of, of the um, happiness and self-efficacy and, and ability for people to really feel a sense of purpose and happiness in, in, in their work and in their life. Yeah. I mean, I'm smiling and I'm smiling because, you know, I, I, I hear the leaders who um, will say, gosh, if it's too simple, I almost can't do it. <laughs> you know, and I, I try to reassure them all the time, like yourself, you know, don't don't disregard some of the most simple things we can do to have a real impact and make things better for people. Yeah. Like smiling at people. Yeah. It makes a difference. It right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. It just, it, so, so Whitney, I know, I know you have a lot of things that we got to get going on. And I, frankly, I hope we can do another show where we can get into other, you know, other aspects of this and get into disrupt yourself and how we can do that from the individual side. But for today, yeah, I would, I would love that. And, but for today, um, what would you tell people who just want to start, they want to become a better leader. They want to be more conscious about how they could be. Maybe they feel like they're not always aware, or maybe they've thought about these simple things, but it's just not working for them. What's one piece of advice you'd give to folks today to help them on this journey, just to be a little bit more successful and to help you, you know, living your purpose of helping people lift them up through this, through, through this message today. Yeah. So, so if someone's listening and saying, you know what, I want to do better, yeah. um, I think my piece of advice would be to <clears throat> pick one thing that you want to do. So like I've been reading, um, actually I had my podcast on my podcast, BJ Fogg from who wrote a book called tiny habits mm -hmm. and you just pick one thing. So you're motivated to be better. You you're motivated to treat your people better. Um, and so now you need a prompt to do it and, um, then you've got to act and you've got to make it simple enough that you're willing to do it. And so mm -hmm. what I would say is, okay, I want to treat people better. Um, I think a very simple, simple thing could be is that 
um, before you either speak to someone you work with remotely um, or <clears throat> before you, you know, know you're going to meet with someone mm -hmm. is just stop for literally two seconds and think about that person. And when they walk into the office or you get on the line with them or you see them visually smile at them. Yeah. Like that's a simple, simple thing. You have to remind yourself to do it, but it's a very simple thing. And um, that's a way to start that all of us can do. Um, yeah. Alan Mulally, who's one of my mentors, he used to, he was the former CEO of Ford. Mm -hmm. He said that when you're the CEO of a business, your, your face isn't yours anymore, um, which means that every time you smile at someone, it makes a huge difference. And so that would be my advice is just to remind yourself when you meet with someone, you talk with someone, just say to yourself, I'm going to smile right now at that person and it will make a huge difference. Well, Whitney, on that note, I'm going to say thank you because uh, you've put a smile on my face today. And I hope <laughs> that people won't disregard the small and simple things, anchoring to purpose, being more aware, smiling, and having a, a more positive intention towards the people we meet today. And I hope people will do that. I hope people will be more confident that not only does this work, but that it's real and, and, and it's meaningful. They'll be happier. They'll be better because of it as well. Whitney, thank you for joining the show today. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm really happy you came on. Let's do it again, okay? Okay. All right, Max, thanks. Thanks. Have a great day. Travel safe. You too.